Yes, indeed. Good afternoon. Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, the 20th of December 2023. I am him, Richie Allen, the BBG. Reach out to me between now and six o'clock via the app for the programme or do use richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, about a month ago, Ben Gilroy was on the program. He's an Irish politician, political activist, and all-round good egg. He's a good egg as Ben. And he was on with me, and we said we'd get him back before Christmas. Now, this is very interesting. You may be aware that in the last couple of days, the Irish government signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the World Health Organization. That is slang for global health tyranny. It really is. We'll talk about that with Ben. We'll talk migration and much more this hour. A little bit later on then, I invited back my great friend for the final time in 2023. Mark Boyerski will join us live from the Costa del Sol for a light-hearted chat, maybe not so light-hearted, we'll have an atter about, um, well, about the year just gone and the years ahead. So it's going to be a busy old programme. As I've already said, you can reach out to me via the website or via the app. Yes, indeed. Tedros Gebrebejesus. Tedros Gebrebejesus is the guy's name. World Health Organization boss. Assigned a memorandum of understanding with Micheál Martin, the Irish Taoiseach. At the moment... Because that's a moving feast, that, isn't it? That's a, a moving target, the Irish Taoiseach. Lots, of, lots, lots to talk about. There always is. Where am I going to start? I'm going to start with... Uh, not with that. Jesus. Yeah. What did I say yesterday and the day before? And I said I wouldn't say it again. What did I say? I said flaky. Yeah. So a sack of spuds won the BBC Sports Personality of the Year award last night. According to former footballer Joey Barton, a sack of spuds won the award. Twitter outrage. Uh, the woman's name is Mary Earps. She's from Nottingham. And she plays in goal for Man United's women. She plays for the women. And she also plays in goal for England. I don't know why Joey Barton or anybody else is whinging. It should have gone to Frankie de Tory. How difficult is it to sit on a horse's back while the horse is on the flat? On the flat. He's not even going over jumps to Tory. Anyway, and as for Ronnie O'Sullivan, I love Ronnie. But the, the whole point of this the BBC Sports Personality of the Year is, it's put to the public to vote. And young Mary Earps received more votes from the British public than anybody else. So good luck to her. Yeah, amazing. People get all in a lather about such things. The woke mob. The woke mob bit Joey Barton, by the way. They bit, which is exactly what he wanted. Yes. Now, let's talk about matters maybe more interesting, maybe not. Talked about this this morning on the Papers podcast. The former US President, Donald Trump, has found out, has learned, that Colorado's Supreme Court has ruled that he cannot be on the ballot next year on account of the part he played in the insurrection, eh? What's it all about? Well, the broadcast media is taking this very seriously. We spoke at length back in January of 2021 about the so-called January 6th, the Capitol riot, and we heard from everybody on that, with, with every 
possible perspective we heard it. You know, there was a stand-down order. It didn't really happen. Uh, Trump actually stated that people shouldn't do all that. We heard all of this at the time. It's not really that important. But the Supreme Court ruled in a four to three very narrow majority is that he wouldn't be allowed on the ballot next year. Trump is taking it to the US Supreme Court. Here he is speaking to his base about this not long after it was announced to Donald Trump. Every time the radical left Democrats, Marxists, communists and fascists indict me, I consider it actually a great badge of honor. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Because I'm being indicted for you. Never forget, our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. Really? He's got a short memory? His supporters have a really short memory. Or his supporters have really short memories. Don't they? They forget about Donald pushing the jobs as hard as you possibly can, Trump, eh? Eh? Yeah. It's very simple. I'm not going to let him do it. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. And in the end, they're not after me, they're after you. I just happen to be standing in their way, and I always will stand in their way. Yeah, and he sounds like a truther. If that's if he don't sound like a truther, it's because effectively that's what he is, Trump. He's just a truther. The truthers on BitChute and on Twitter, they're always playing the martyr, aren't they? About how they're doing it for you, standing up for, for, for truth, uh, for you, and all of that old shite. Donald Trump there, only referencing this today because everybody seems to be talking about it. What would it take before Trump supporters accept or admit that they were duped by him? and continue to be duped by him. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. Do you remember that Japanese soldier whose name was Onoda Hiru? I've probably butchered the pronunciation. Onoda Hiru. Remember him? He refused to surrender at the end of the war, 1945, and he spent 29 years hiding in the Philippines. Do you remember this dude? Until his former commander actually had to travel from Japan to tell him it's over. And this is in 1974. Now, why am I bringing that up? Well, this made me laugh. Uh, The BBC News website. This appeared this afternoon. It appeared just after two o'clock this afternoon. Headline. Woman in despair after shielding from COVID for years. For years. Woman in despair. For years, right? So, right, okay. Well, I say it again, for years. So I had to read a bit of this. So let's read a bit of it then, because, uh, yeah. So this is a lawyer, former lawyer, a Jennifer, who lives in northeast Somerset and has eight autoimmune conditions, eight. And she told the BBC she is living a, quote, ridiculously restricted, unpleasant, depressing life. Right. She said, wait for it, she is one of thousands of forgotten people still shielding from the virus. So now you understand why the Japanese guy who refused to surrender for 29 years came to mind. She says, we are thousands of people forgotten and we're still shielding for the virus. And amazingly, she is calling on the government to do more to protect people like her. Yes, we caught a live one here. I've got eight autoimmune conditions and I'm shielding. 
She said in the UK, wait for it, 1.2 million people are still classed as clinically exceptionally vulnerable to COVID-19 and are required to shield. I didn't know this. Just over a million people are still being told to shield. (laughs) Shield! COVID is still out there. And the World Health Organization, we'll talk about the World Health Organization with Ben Gilroy later, but it has put out another warning about a new COVID variant today, JN.1. It's being monitored closely because it's very transmissible and all of this old shite. So Jennifer spoke to the BBC and said, day to day, it's very, very difficult to keep going when you're isolated and restricted. Open the fucking door, love. That's all you have to do. Put on your overcoat and walk out the door and go to the shop and chat with the lovely um, Pakistani man behind the counter or Sikh man behind the counter and get on with your life. She said, there's been no shops, no travel, no life, nothing. I feel that my life is passing me by. No one has visited me in my house for about three years and went for it. They haven't fallen out of love. They haven't divorced. But she's living separately to her husband. She's living separately to her husband. He's entitled to have a life, but it means we do not have a life together, she said. She said that catching COVID-19 could result in her being hospitalised or even dying. And this is the bit, the, the bit even that got me, okay, and I know of a warped sense of humour and you might not find this funny, but I found this funny. She said as Christmas approaches, her husband and her will be eating their Christmas dinner over Zoom. Fuck off. Over Zoom. Fuck off. Over Zoom. Over Zoom. And if they are lucky with the weather, if they are lucky with the weather, um, they will go for a walk together. Jesus, Mary and Holy Saint Joseph. This is not how I want to live my life, Jennifer told the BBC, but it is how I am forced to live my life. Me and 1.2 million other people who are told to continue to shield against COVID. Mother of God. Staying with health. That's insane, isn't it? Japanese guy. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's over, love. Whatever it was, it's over. Don't worry about it. Come out. Come outside. No, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be having my Christmas dinner over the Zoom and pulling the crackers on the internet. I'm not going outside ever. And then describing the life as miserable, as horrible, as depressing. Just go out, love. Death must be better than that. Anyway, staying with health, prostate cancer. Outreach buses are coming to a city near you. Uh, The bus will enable men to receive a PSA a prostate-specific antigen blood test, a prostate examination, and also to have your blood pressure taken. One of these buses will be on Salford Precinct early next year, if you fancy a prostate examination. I had a prostate exam last year myself, after I turned 48. It's a bit uncomfortable and embarrassing, having a bloke in a white coat poking your bum. It's even more embarrassing when you realise he's got both of his hands on your shoulders. Not good at all. 
Alan Titchmarsh is standing against cancel culture. He's a British television presenter. He was on Times Radio today, taking a stand, as I said, against folks being cancelled simply because they have the wrong opinion. Alan Titchmarsh. I did an interview for a paper um, relatively recently, a big interview feature, and it was headlined, I'm frightened of being cancelled. I'm not frightened of being cancelled. <laughs> I'm appalled by the very existence of cancel culture because tolerance for me is a two-way thing. Um, I like to think I'm very tolerant of, of people with different opinions to myself. It seems to me that a lot of so-called minority groups are not particularly tolerant of opinions that differ from theirs. And I think it's important that we all tolerate each other and that we maintain the ability for this country still to boast that it has free speech. And I think too many people at the moment are frightened of saying what they feel, which isn't always, you know, wrong. It's just different. And I think we really do need to safeguard our ability to speak freely about what we feel and for opinions that differ from those of our own to be considered. You know, I try and understand why somebody, I'm not painting myself as a Pollyanna figure, but, you know, if people <laughs> feel completely different to you, why? Rather than just saying, you're going to be cancelled. Oh, stop it. Yes, well done, Alan Titchmarsh, taking a stand against cancel culture. Now, Ireland has a leprechaun for a president, the last of his kind, an actual leprechaun. I don't know if you know this. A genuine leprechaun, so much so that Jennifer Aniston hasn't been back to Ireland since Michael D. Higgins was elected president. Uh, I'm not saying he's short, but when he sits down on the curb, his feet are still swinging, right? Michael D. Higgins. Uh, the bloke has to cuff his underpants. He has to stand on three telephone directories to give the wife a 69. He's tiny is Michael D. Higgins. He's a little feckin' gremlin, is what he is. All joking aside, when Ireland play rugby at Lansdowne Road, I die of embarrassment when I see this little pipsqueak come out to greet the players and the opposition rugby players. It's mortifying, really, to see him, right? Dreadful. It was announced today that his Christmas message is all about migrants enriching Irish culture. Keep that in mind because we're going to be talking about that in around about 15 minutes time. I mean, that's really stirring it up, isn't it? In light of everything that's going on in Ireland, for that little troll to come out and say, my Christmas message is all about how migrants have enriched Irish culture. Yeah, not doing a lot of enriching of late. You wouldn't have thought, maybe. I don't know. I don't live in Ireland anymore. I haven't lived in Ireland for over 20 years. So I can't comment, maybe. But I know a man who can. Now, Ben Wallace is a Conservative Party MP. He is a former Defence Secretary. And he has pissed off the Israelis. Because he said in the last day or two that the Israeli government is engaging in a killing rage. And that it is basically indiscriminately bombing Gaza and killing and collectively punishing civilians. That won't do. So they've come out very strongly against Ben Wallace, not just the Israelis themselves, but even former British army colonels, like this guy Richard Kemp. Here he is speaking to Talk TV. And it's not just the fact that he is misrepresenting what the IDF is doing, badly misrepresenting and, and slandering them in effect. But also this sort of comment, when it isn't based on reality, and I'm sure it is not based on reality, it's very, very dangerous because, one, it gives succor to Hamas. It encourages Hamas mm. to think that there are people around the world in serious positions or formerly in serious positions who 
kind of see their perspective and see their point of view. And secondly, by alleging IDF war crimes like this without any basis. What? Without any basis? Colonel Richard Kemp. Without any basis? The basis is all over the fucking television. What do you mean without, without any basis? As they're butchering children in Gaza, over 10,000. So how, how could you possibly say without any basis? With a straight face. Does the presenter challenge him? No. Uh, he, of course not. He encourages, and I'm sure he doesn't mean to do so, but he does in fact encourage the Jew hate that has been gripping London since this conflict began. And There's no Jew hate gripping London since this conflict began. Hundreds, if not thousands of Jews, particularly London Jews, have taken to train stations. They've taken to Leicester Square to say, we as Jewish people, even though we're not responsible at all, no more than Irish people are, for what's going on in Gaza, we stand against it. We think it's criminal. We think it's genocide. We think it should stop. So Jews are not gripped by any fear or any existential crisis. He's a lawyer, Richard Kemp, another bullshit artist on a bullshit news radio show on Talk TV. It's so easy to tell the truth. It's so much more easy. It's so liberating. Just tell the truth. Call it is. Call it what it is. The Israelis are ethnically cleansing the Palestinians. It is just as bad and it is as comparable as what happened to Jews in Nazi Germany. They're doing the same thing. They are attempting to wipe them out completely. How dare Richard Kemp say uh, that, that there's no basis for Ben Wallace and what Wallace said. Let's leave that alone. You can chat to me during the programme via the app, Richie Allen. Uh, the Richie Allen Show app also. There is uh, richieallen.co.uk. Uh, hi to Paulie, who says... This shielding bird just hates her husband. She's got to a point in her life where she's found an excuse to keep him away from her when he's had a few jars and he's feeling a bit frisky, says Paulie. I wish that were the truth, Paulie. But there are lots of people like that woman, you know. I met them in the very first lockdown I met them. People who told me to my face that I had a duty to stay indoors to protect people like them. Honestly, people who'd ventured out for 20 minutes worth of fresh air telling me that because they were clinically vulnerable, perfect strangers now to me, uh, you have a duty to protect me by staying indoors. Every time I replied with a two-word answer and the second word was off, um, I know you'll believe that because it's, it's an Irish thing. Fuck off. I don't know who you are. I don't give a shit if you die of COVID. It's uh, of no consequence to me whatsoever. It really isn't. You take control. You take responsibility for your health. And I'll take responsibility for mine. Was my philosophy. And then they called you right wing for that. Imagine a trade unionist. A Bolivarian socialist. His entire life. Until I wised up. They say you're right wing. Because you don't want to live hiding indoors. Right? Out of the sunlight, out of the fresh air, because you don't want to do that just in case some stranger catches a cold and they say you're far right. That's the nonsense that went on back in 2020 and it's still going on today because these shielding clowns, and they really are clowns, these shielders, clowns, right? They want this. They're petitioning the government. One of them. And I, I used to have the clip, but I can't find it, which isn't like me. One of them was on a talk radio show only in the summer of this year, 2023. 
and was calling for windows to be opened up where everybody else would be told to stay away from the supermarkets or from market streets to give the clinically vulnerable the opportunity to go out and do a few messages. That's what we say in Ireland. Chores or errands. Errands in Ireland. A little bit of uh, education for you. If you ever move to Ireland, messages is a word we use, is a term we use for, for errands, right? So they were calling for a window or windows where the rest of us would be on some sort of timetable to give the opportunity for the clinically vulnerable. These people are insane. They are absolutely stark, raving mad. Bonkers, these people. It's a horrible life. It's terrible. It's a miserable existence. Well, get outside the door then. Get out, you fucking cretin. Get out. Get out. Christ. The unhealthy... I can't think of anything more unhealthy than knocking yourself into a house 24 hours a day. Terrible. Anyway. Where was I? 21 minutes past the hour. Hi to Rob. What happened to swine flu? What happened indeed, Rob? Hi to Gaz. Good evening, Gaz. If people are still masked and self-isolating, then maybe it's for the best, he says. Of course, it's individual freedom if that's what you want to do. You know, if you choose to live indoors terrified that you might get some pathogen, that you might come down with COVID or the flu, well, you have a right to do that. What you do not have the right to do is to ask other people to make exceptions for you, to curtail their own lives for you. No, no, you live with your madness in your homes and the rest of us will just get on with our lives. Kev says, Richie, I know Trump pushed the jab, Richie, and they booed the shite out of him, but politics is all theatrics and bollocks. This Kev, tell me something I don't know, Kev. Absolutely. Uh, hi to Donald, who said he thought the BBC Sports Personality of the Year would have been won by the wheelchair tennis player. His speech was amazing about him beating and confronting all of the hurdles he faced in his life. Thank you for that, Donald. Again, you can send a message to me via the website, comment live on richieallen.co.uk or you can use the app for the programme, download the app. 22 minutes it is now past the hour. Uh, ben Gilroy will join me shortly and a little bit, bit, little bit later on, Mark Boyerski. And as I said to you... Um, Yesterday, John Waters will be on with me tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the final Richie Allen show of 2023. It's been uh, it's been a long run this since the second uh, of September, long, but also in some ways it's flown by very quickly at the same time. That probably doesn't make any sense at all, really, does it? Does it? It probably doesn't. Um, music for you when I come back. More of your comments than Ben Gilroy. Yeah, music from Curtis Mayfield. Let's move on up on the Richie Allen Show. Back with you in 30 seconds. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all new NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready.
Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Welcome back. He is the leprechaun, Michael D. Higgins, by the way. I wasn't joking earlier on. Mark is in Wales. Hello, Mark. Before we get to Mark's comment, Lewis says... Richie, the talking heads are speculating as to who will govern Gaza after Hamas has been defeated. What are they going to govern? Asks Lewis. Millions of tons of concrete with rotting corpses underneath. And then he says, by the way, Stephen Fry is going to give an alternative Christmas message due to the massive rise in anti-Semitism. Is he really? Again, you see, it's, it's incredible. The, the, the lying, the bullshitting that is going on. Everything you are told is a lie. I remember seeing at a rock concert many, many years ago on gigantic screens, everything you know is wrong. You could change that. Everything you are being told is a lie. I know Jewish people. I know London-based Jewish people. I know Jewish people in Birmingham. I know Jewish people in Manchester. I have asked them, do you worry about your own safety? Is this a... Is, is the situation in Palestine, is it going to prove problematic for you as a British Jew? No is the answer. No, of course not. None. It's bullshit. There is no massive rise in anti-Semitism because Britain doesn't and never has had an anti-Semitism problem. Yes, some dickhead will occasionally, because he's a little bigot, might knock over a headstone in a cemetery. There might be a chap walking down the, the, the street in North Manchester and he might have what we would consider to be, you know, the Jewish dress code. He might have his hair fashioned in a certain way and some dickhead might shout at him. He might call him a yid. Yes, it's not anti-Semitism. There is no endemic anti-Semitism in the country It is gaslighting this. It is bullshit. And what it is, is it's propaganda. It's all Israel has left. It's all it has left. It has nothing else left. They have butchered over 10,000 children in that enclave. And 10,000 more adults murdered them. Told them to go south where they'd be safe. And followed them and bombed them as they were fleeing. A murderous, genocidal, Nazi-esque regime is the regime in Tel Aviv. That's what it is. So, so what, what do you have left? What remains open to you? Well, propaganda, lies, start telling lies about beheaded babies, lies about mass rapings going on during the six hours, by the way, that the IDF was nowhere to be seen. So it's just relentless propaganda. You ask a Jewish person, if you know a Jewish person in your neighbourhood, is this affecting you? Are you worried about your safety and that of your family? And they will tell you no. No. No more now than I was back in 2015 when the Israelis carpet-bombed Gaza and killed 2,500 children back then. Or I should say 500 children and 2,500 people. It's nonsense. Stephen Fry makes me fucking sick. Didn't Fry basically marry an amoeba, didn't he? He married an amoeba, a male amoeba. He's disgusting, Stephen Fry, isn't he? He's a disgusting. He even looks disgusting. Anyway, don't get me started. And I don't mean because of his sexuality. I mean because he's disgusting. Mark says, The lobby has fucked our politics, our media up beyond recognition. They really are dark gangsters. By deception, thou shalt wage war, says Mark in Wales. The Zionists knew they were losing the argument, 
So they initiated a blood-washing PR campaign, most of which started against Jeremy Corbyn. Shall we welcome Ben Gilroy back to the Richie Allen Show? Let's give him a call again. I will be continuing to read your messages out during the programme. Send them to me via the app. Send them to me via richieallen.co.uk. As the time is fast approaching 4.30 here in the UK, and I'm just momentarily having a connectivity issue with Ben, um, so what I'll do, we, he might very well be there now. Let's welcome him back to the programme. So he's a politician, he's a political activist, he's a human rights activist, um, had the courage a decade or more ago to stand up to the banking fraud in Ireland. Known him since then, proud to know him, Irish patriot Ben Gilroy. Welcome to the Richie Allen Show. How are you? Hiya, Richie. How are you? And hello to all your listeners. Good to have you back, pal. Thanks for making time for us. Before we talk about Tedros Bejesus and this memorandum of understanding, what about Michael D. Higgins announcing that his Christmas message, which I suppose is the Irish head of state's version of the Queen's speech or the King's speech, is that it is going to be about how migrants have enriched Irish culture. That's kind of gaslighting. It's terrible timing, to say the very least, isn't it, with everything that's been going on? Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you the protective bubbles that these people live in. They don't live in the real world. They don't walk up and down the streets of Dublin and other towns in Ireland now where it's absolutely unsafe to do so. And especially coming not a month or two later where children have been stabbed on our streets, uh, multiple children stabbed on our streets. This is just gaslighting, as you say, at its absolute best. It's horrendous, isn't it? And you wonder what it's he, what absolutely is, horrendous. And, and do you think, I mean, maybe, maybe Michael D. Higgins himself won't be conscious of this. But in some way, is it deliberate? Is it just designed to stir people up again and create even more anger? You know, is that what they want? Do they want some sort of explosion, Ben, so that they can say, OK, well, we need to start introducing more laws against peaceful protest, laws against peaceful assembly? Are they trying to do that, provoke people, do you think? Well, it's a bit of everything. You see, if you think about it, the banks and the government, who are mainly property owners here in Ireland, they don't want property prices to drop. So they have to keep uh, important legal immigrants or illegal immigrants, either either, to keep the housing bubble propped up um, by creating horse, uh, housing shortages. And then because the elite want cheap workers, uh, housing shorts and property prices being pushed up and rents pushed up, this is all great for them. And this is what, what they want. So there's a whole pot of agendas here flowing. And when you're part of the government machine, you have to, you know, sing the praises of the changes in Ireland. And you do that in the face of reality of what's actually going on in the streets, what the dogs would tell you on the street, which is the stark reality that Dublin has become an an unsafe place and we cannot handle the migration numbers. And it doesn't matter if they're legal immigrants, illegal immigrants, economic migrants, it doesn't matter. Each one of those is a person that comes here and is another lean on the state and the housing and the welfare and the doctors and everything else in this country. And we can't handle it. It's not that we're racist. Nobody cares about the colour of their skin coming here. We just cannot handle it as a nation. We already had a housing difficulty before this new wave of immigrants came here um, because we had a huge wave from Eastern Europe. And those people, lovely, hardworking people, never an issue. 
but they too were finding it difficult to get housing here. And now most of them are in deep trouble trying to get housing as well. So that's the problems here. Now, what I've been fascinated by in the last couple of days is not just one Fianna Fáil councillor, Noel Thomas, uh, but a number of Fianna Fáil councillors appear to be breaking ranks with the government. And just for our listeners, I know our listeners are not stupid, but councillors would be representatives at local level, at local authorities. They wouldn't be members of parliament or TDs. But it's still significant. They're breaking ranks and they're taking on their leader, Micheál Martin, and they're saying enough is enough. Does that give you a bit of heart just to, to see that? And do you think more will follow well, look, I suppose the difference with councillors rather than them and their shielded towers up in the doll, local councillors at least are on the street and they're talking to family and family members who can't get housing and have been on housing lists for years. So they have more touch with reality than, say, President Higgins living in the big White House mansion up there in the Phoenix Park. So, so reality is hitting with them and they are feeling the pressure and the hatred as well as seeing the reality on the streets. And they're walking in those towns that are unsafe and they are getting absolutely condemned by the people who would normally vote for them. So they see a huge problem. The council elections are coming up, I think, next year. And so they're worried by their own votes now because it's all right being a member of the parliament or a member of uh, Fianna Fáil, but if you're not getting a seat and you're never going to be voted in again, you too have to feed your family. So it's probably a little bit of both, you know, that they have to be seen to do something for their voters with the election coming next year. But how much of this is lip service? Uh, I don't know. Um, I know I sent you a clip of Michal Martin uh, yesterday. Um, do you want me to play it, it for you? Yeah, yeah, play it there now. And it'll just give you an idea of what politicians, when they're not bought, you know, they say what the reality is and then you compare that to when they're bought over by the WEF and WHO and all these people. That's a brilliant setup. This is the current Irish Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, speaking in 1999. Thanks for sending this, Ben. Have a listen to this, uh, dearest listener. I would have to say that there are an increasing number of people who are casually banding around the word racist. This does nothing to foster an informed and balanced discussion of the issues. We should also have no place in our debates for the naive extremes of those who think we can have completely open borders and manage any number of refugees and those who would exclude all non-EU immigration. Wow, Ben. That sounded like common sense to me. This is back in 1999, <laughs> right? Well, you know, it's like one of those joke series where the, the president's brain has gone missing. It's yeah. like he had a lobotomy on behalf of the world leaders and the elite that he has now become the mouthpiece for. I mean, talk about a huge turnaround in your beliefs and what you're saying. And he said that with such genuineness back then. And I'm sure he must be cringing when he hears this being replayed today because that's a little gem I found. Isn't and I thought it? to myself, oh my God. And I mean, there's only one guy, as far as I can see, who, 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 who is part of the press corps. And that's a guy called Ben Scallon who I think is doing um, great work and he's embarrassing the legacy journalists, isn't he? The the mainstream media. Yeah, I, I'm really fond of uh, Ben Scanlon. Yeah, he gave me a great leg up and um, uh, helped during the um, elections when no one else would cover what we were trying to do because you have a complete left biased media in this country. There's no free press and every journalist should hang their head in shame in Ireland because they are the flag wavers 
of the complete and utter demise of Ireland as we know it. And they have been the flag bearers and waivers while we are on the train to Auschwitz in this country. Jesus, there's, I mean, that's strong, like, and, and, and I respect you saying that because I don't and haven't lived in Ireland for over 20 years. But, but I mean, that's strong language that on the train to Auschwitz. You see it as being as bad as that if nothing changes. I, 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 I'm telling you now, um, you have no idea what it's like to walk around Dublin. Um, you see politicians coming out trying to do videos encouraging people to come into Dublin and telling people it's safe. This is absolutely untrue. It is not a safe place. And I really feel for the businesses in Dublin trying to survive in Dublin. It's not safe. And clearly it's not safe. I mean, ask the parents of the children that were stabbed in daylight. I'm not even talking about going out at night. So, so they have destroyed Ireland. And I don't know if it's too late or how this can be undone. But certainly we need a change of leadership, a change of direction, and a change of our open border reckless policy that we have always complained about in this country. Um, the Irish people are not racist. Let me just say that out there. And if there was genuine families fleeing war, the Irish people opened up their homes to genuine Ukrainian families. But families came with wives and children not all men of military fighting age. And that's what the problem is here in Ireland. We don't care of the colour of their skin. We're concerned with busloads of men being snuck into small villages under the cover of darkness at nighttime. And no women or children. And I'm telling you, Richie, and I'm sure you probably know this, that if there was genuine women and children queuing at a refugee centre and um, it was cold and wet outside, not only would the Irish be welcoming of them, they would go out with blankets, tea and sandwiches to try and help people because that's the Irish way. And now you have the government and everybody else pointing at those people, calling them far right and racists when there's no such thing. And why? Because they have legit legitimate concerns about the health, safety and welfare of the citizens of this nation. Uh, follow Ben Gilroy on Twitter, by the way. Ben Gilroy is our guest in this area. He's with me till the top of the hour because there's a few things we need to get uh, to get through. So two big stories overnight then. I covered this morning, I covered the, the situation in France where the centrist government in France is in complete disarray over a fairly tough um, immigration bill that is passing uh, in France. It's got to get the president, uh, the prime minister of the country has got to okay this. But it's seen a couple of senior resignations in the French government. Marine Le Pen is saying, you know, this is brilliant. Um, the, the, the French cracking down on illegal immigration. And the European Union has agreed a deal to tighten. And this is obviously very important for Ireland. I'm going to read from the Telegraph. The European Union yep. has struck a major deal to tighten immigration controls, making it easier to deport failed asylum seekers and hold families in detention centres on the bloc's external border, something which is agreed after three years of negotiations, promises to overhaul how it processes migrants and paves the way for rapid assessments at borders. Any optimism to come out of any of that, do you think? Well, obviously, it's, it, it, there is optimism, but it's too little, too late, and it really should have been done years ago instead of calling the people who were highlighting this as a problem as somehow being far, uh, far right and racist. What slurs to throw on people when you clearly see the problem right in front of your eyes? And they should be apologising to the people that they absolutely defamed with such tags. And now, of course, they, what they're really looking at 
is the voting coming and the elections coming and thinking, oh, we better window dress this to show the citizens there's nothing to worry about. We've everything under control and we'll eventually tighten the borders that the people have been screaming for for years because like that, you've seen children being stabbed in Paris as well. And people have had enough of it. And now it's all of a sudden window dressing because it's coming to election time. And we'd have to say now what we're doing is we're tightening the borders and we're taking control of this. And why do we now not turn on those people and say, oh, but that makes you a far right racist doesn't yeah. it? if you're going to tighten up your borders. I mean, if we we're going to use the same measuring stick we use when they uh, uh, defame almost 90 percent of the Irish population with the same measuring stick then is it not true that the way they measured us is the way we should measure them? And now say they're far-right racists with this type of rhetoric and hate talk. That's a fair question, that. You know, the, the thing about the young men, I've been mulling over this now for a long time. And me being a journalist, an actual real journalist, my curiosity... Yeah. My curiosity would lead... You know you're a bit like the dodo now when you say that. We are becoming a bit like the dodo, yeah. Thank God there's still a few of us and we've named a couple back, you, in, yeah. back in Ireland that are doing a great job back there, uh, yeah. where, where, where you are, of course. But my natural curiosity would, would make me... Would, would, I would want to speak to, to, to these young men to find out, like, why did you come here? What do you expect from Ireland? Number yeah. one. Number yeah. two, um, are you not much, are you not better used to your own people and your own country by doing what you can within your own country to change it? Number two. And number three, I'd be saying, where's your girlfriends and your wives and your children? I mean, these yeah, are legitimate that's, questions. That's the right? huge question. Yeah. That's the huge question because, look, everybody sympathises with people fleeing war-torn countries. If there was women and children fleeing Gaza, I, I would welcome them here too. Even though I give out about we don't have the room and we don't have the housing, but surely no house and a tent is even better for genuine refugees fleeing war where Israel are indiscriminately just bombing civilian areas. But if there was a load of people coming from Palestine and they're just military fighting men of that age, you'd seriously be asking questions. Have you just walked out on the female members of your family and left them there? Yeah. Have you just ran and left your mother, your sister, your wives, your daughters? That's why that is such a serious question, Richie, that you hit on the nail there. Um, that is the question to ask. Where are your families? Yeah, because... Um... Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, for my opinion only, a ridiculous human being, a ridiculous figure. But but now he's asking for five hundred thousand more um, conscripts to 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 go into the Ukrainian army to take on Russia. But as far yeah. as I know, between the UK and Ireland, there are thousands of Ukrainian men here. Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and nobody yeah. says anything about that. And not only that. that, we were told to hate Russia and, and we love Ukraine. Well, if that's the case, why are we helping the Russian war machine by helping these military-age men run from their country, leaving their brotherhood to be slaughtered in the mince machine that is that war? Another great question. Ben Gilroy is our guest. We're going to talk um, momentarily about... Uh, thanks for your messages, by the way. Lots of messages coming in through the app, richieallen.co.uk, the website as well. I appreciate them. Uh, Gaz has been on to say, he says, um, the, he says, O'Gorman needs removing the old-fashioned way, just like the leaders of every 
other European country. That's from Gaz. Um, a number of people saying they're just in complete agreement. Johnny says, isn't it just amazing, Richie, how most of the Irish... I don't think he's right. Ben will answer this. He says how most of the Irish are just accepting the tyranny forced upon them by this government. Yet, when the government was going to bring in water meters, the Irish people were up in arms, travelling from every corner of the country to protest over that issue. Yet, barely any protesting over this. you want to take that, Ben? What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, well, you see, what they've done is they made, unlike the water protest, they have made uh, people very much frightened. And by labelling them far right... You know, it was Middle Ireland that came out for the water protests and everything. And Middle Ireland is, is, you know, very reserved. But Middle Ireland does not want to be associated with Nazism or racism because I told you Ireland is not that. So when Middle Ireland came out in protest, the, all of the left media pointed the finger at them as being far right and racist. So they stopped coming out because they genuinely believed that within the crowd, when they were standing with their neighbours and friends, that they must have been far-right Nazis within that crowd. And, you know, they always say, if you, you lie down with a pig, you'll get up with fleas. Yeah. And I suppose that's what the feeling was. Because remember, our whole media uh, came on this, that they were all far-right and racists. And so pictures of these people were put up in newspapers and they were branded as far-right. And people probably seen themselves and they were out with their neighbours and their mother and their children saying, oh, my God, I'm not going to another protest. I, I was in the newspaper and they accused me of far right. Now my, my other conservative neighbours up the road won't talk to me. And, and I'm probably in chance of losing my job at work if my boss ever found out I was at one of these protests because I, I'm now a far right white supremacist racist. And, and that's why they quelled it. The media has done an excellent job at defaming the Irish people and having them fearful. And then on the other hand, you have this hate speech law and people are unsure if it's out yet because there's so much talk about it and, and you can't express an opinion now. So you're frightened the shit out of a whole load of typically conservative Irish people that are just normally conservative and normally don't come out to protest. And now they're absolutely frightened by all of this and don't know what to do because the last thing any Irish person wants to be called in media is someone that they detest, which would be uh, far-right Nazi people. I mean, Ireland always detested that type of thing and always does. So they've created this imaginary big far-right Nazi group in Ireland and, and it doesn't exist, but what it is made up of is the ordinary Irish people. So the media have destroyed the protests from that point of view from Middle Ireland. And so you only have small numbers of groups now protesting who really know what's going on and don't give a shit about the name calling because the far right racist now is starting to lose any sort of power it has because it's been bandied about. Like Michal Martin said, these names being bandied about. <laughs> That's right, 25 years <laughs> ago. While he bandies about now, you know. Amazing, and he's doing the very thing now. Just before I ask you about the World Health Organization, um, yes. our, our mutual mate, Gene Ann Crowley, asks me to put this to you. Wasn't there um, a policy a couple of years ago? where the government was advertising in countries like Georgia, which were not at war or not involved in any wars, um, yeah. basically sourcing for people to come to, come to Ireland. Um, yeah. And, and where, where does that come from? Like, where would an idea like that come from? I mean, does well, the government see, dream that up? that's why I keep saying yeah. this is a world elitist plan. And um, it's a world elitist plan uh, for the globalists to push up property prices and rents and everything else. And, and there was sure there was ads in, in, in Indian newspapers telling people to come to Ireland. 
that the handouts are great and the social welfare system is fantastic. And we just cannot manage. Ireland has become a shadow of itself in only a number of years, a very small number of years. If there was a plan to destroy a country, I don't think you could come up with a better one. Ben Gilroy is our guest. We've got Ben for 10 more minutes. It is Wednesday's programme, December 20th, 2023. Uh, Irish political activist, politician, human rights activist and a great spokesperson for the least often society. Uh, did some fantastic work and continues to do so on mortgage fraud in Ireland and banking fraud. Ben, this um, memorandum of understanding that the Irish mm. Taoiseach has signed with Tedros Ghebreyesus, who's the head yeah. of the World Health Organisation, what does it mean exactly? We don't know. <laughs> this is why this was sort of done secretively. The memorandum hasn't been put out. Um, first of all, we're supposed to live in a democracy. And what it could be and what it appears to me and why it's so worrying is we're signing and understanding a memorandum with the World Health Organization who have proved themselves to be, uh, should I say, a criminal organization during lockdown and the pushing of vaccines and vaccine mandates and, um, you know, criminally coercing people to take a vaccine uh, or they would lose their job and everything else. And now we see the untold damage, the untold um, turbo cancers and everything else from and, and the, um, you know, the uh, deaths, the excess deaths from these vaccines. And now we're still signing uh, uh, some secretive memorandum of understanding with with this criminal organization. Um, it's worrying, to say the least. We live in a democracy. A referendum should have been called on this. Where did Michal Martin get a mandate to sign any sort of memorandum of understanding with the WHO? I've absolutely no idea. And it's always telling when they do this at Christmas time because they're hoping this will get lost get in lost, all yeah. the things that's going on in people's lives. Yeah, it's the pandemic. Christmas. It's the pandemic treaty, isn't it? It's ultimately the world, every country in the world, handing over to the World Health Organization control of managing future pandemics, whereby the World Health Organization could instruct Ireland or could, could instruct England, right, you've got to go into lockdown and there would be no argument about it. Uh, the country would That's have right. to do it. That's right, yeah. Or, or maybe even go a step further and force vaccinate Force people. vaccinate people. We, we have no idea what this is about. We've no idea if that's what all these young military men are coming in here for, to enforce something in the future. I mean, people might say, oh, that's a conspiracy theorist. It may be a conspiracy theorist, but most of my conspiracy theorists for the last 10 years have come true. And I'm just wondering, why are they coming here without their families? It doesn't make sense. I mean, to live like in harmony is always to live within your family, with your friends, with your girlfriend, with your wives, with your daughters, whatever it may be. That's the joy of life. Why are they here? It's certainly not for that. So it's not for the joy of life. I don't know why they're here, but I'm sure all will be revealed soon. And, and my worry is, are they part of this secret memorandum now that's been signed and what the details are? I've no idea. Are they enforcers for this? Who knows? Somebody... But it is worrying for the people on the street because this is the talk on the street. And yeah. citizens of a country like Ireland should not be worried by this sort of secretive talk. You should come out and say, what this is, what it's all about. Why are all these men coming here and not their wives and children? I was, um, I'm never rude, but sometimes I can be dismissive. I was dismissive of a listener who phoned the show 18 months ago to talk about this particular issue. And it was actually a lady and she said, exactly as you said there, she said, I wonder if these young men 
will eventually be co-opted into some sort of um, paramilitary. This is how she put it now. Yeah. A group to enforce, you know, things that, you know, governments are aware that people will not take, you know, in the future. Mm. And look, you're a very bright guy. You know this. It sounds incredibly far-fetched, that. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But, Absolutely. <laughs> so did... Um, so did, but you there's know, still a but, and that but yeah. should not be there in people's minds on no. the streets in Dublin, because there's no logical reason why all men of that age are arriving here on our doorsteps. Life is not great for them. They're living in converted offices. You know, it's not great here for them. The weather's not great. You know, uh, um, there is a certain resentment to them on the street. So why would you go to a country like that? So something is not right. And normally when something's not right, it means something's very wrong. Uh, but I would say on that, right, I, I would venture a guess there and say for many of them, even if they're coming from countries where there isn't a conflict, they might be coming from places which have a deplorable health service, maybe, um, very little employment prospects, maybe, and they're chancing their arm and they're thinking, well, and this is why, Ben, this is why it's so important that real journalists do real journalism, which is speak to That's these right. men and say, listen, come clean with me. What the feck are you really doing here? Yeah. You know, yeah, and not only that, if you come clean, you'll help your own cause. Of course. Don't have people concerned yeah. by this. Say, look, at my country is terrible. The health system's terrible, so I came here. Can't get a house. Now, I was told only, to come here. Of course, the following yeah. question to that is, and you left all your women behind. Which is, which is what you know, I would that say. That yeah. doesn't make sense in my mind because I'm, I'm fleeing Ireland because the health is bad, violence is bad, such and such. Do I go, say, to Portugal or, or, or Spain or somewhere no. and leave my wife and children behind? No, but some of these migrants might say, that's a great question you've asked, you've posed. Some of these migrants might say, well, I'll tell you what, Ben, you've got a good question there. What I've done is I've come here, the missus is staying with her parents and I'm just trying to get established before we send for them. Some of them might say that. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And if that was the case and you said it was proper journalists and that was the answer given, fine. You could look it no up. Problem. You could check it out now anyway. Now that's a whole load of fears delayed at least. That's right. And, and, and that's something you could check because you could say to a cross-section of, of migrants, of these young men, if you got a cross-section of them and said, right, do you mind if we look into your, your backstory and if we check if it adds up or not? So if the missus right. is back in Sudan or if she's in West Africa, can you at least maybe show us some proof that she is and that you're preparing at some stage to, to kind right. of bring her over? But there is yeah. no... To ask a question like that secrecy. in our country... You see, as I said to you the last time I was on your show, I went yeah. into the Red Cow Hotel in Dublin and I didn't realise it was turned into one of these migrant centres. And as I was walking in, a security man approached me. Sorry, 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 you're not allowed in here. And he says, what do you want? And I said, sorry, I was just coming for a coffee. And he said, oh, sorry, no, it's not a hotel anymore. So it's this secretive thing. So it was a migrant centre. So what if I walked in? I wasn't going to start shooting anybody. What if I went in and I just wanted to interview a few people? You wouldn't be allowed. So where are the real journalists who might get that access? to speak to some of these people. And then would you trust the government? Will they put five people whose stories check out? So there's huge distrust here now between the government and the people, simply because the government turned around and bandied about the words, as Michal Martin said, of racist and far right. He's doing exactly the same thing, bandying around them words, and people feel shocked and ashamed by being calling that. And they have a serious mistrust because of it. Let me ask you a final question for today. Thanks for coming back. On the, no on the incident in Connemara, where, where the hotel, where part of it was burned, um, mm. that doesn't do 
anybody any good, really. The, the people like you who are asking legitimate questions, people like you who are decent and are, are, are approaching things always with um, honesty and integrity. Yeah, peaceful legal beings, peaceful. always. It's no good when somebody does something like that. And then, and then there are people listening no, who will say, well, well maybe, the, maybe, maybe that's a, a counterintelligence thing, maybe. Well, you see, this is what I was going to say to you. Richie, you know we called a number of protests during lockdown, and we've always asked for them to be peaceful and bring family members to them. And there was always party atmospheres at our, at our protests, never violence, because we are smart enough to know that whatever change you might be trying to do in Ireland, if you show yourself to be violent or in any way tuggery, um, it backfires and you lose Middle Ireland. And if you can't take Middle Ireland with you, you'll never get anywhere in politics. Absolutely. So, so you're right. There has been a number of arson attacks on these type of buildings and nobody was caught. Now, why would that be? Again, it's blamed on the imaginary far right. But no one has been caught. Now, they spent millions on these buildings, converting them into living spaces, and some have been burnt down. Now, a new CCTV, and I have some of them at my house, cost 50 euro, right? 50 euros, while they pay millions doing up these buildings. Uh, sorry, these buildings. And 50 euro, the camera, I can watch it on my phone, I can listen, I can speak out to it, and it records. Yet they don't have any in these buildings. So mm. is it? that, you know, these are more far left agitators that suits government narrative and shift the blame, the blame that lies fair and square with the government's reckless open border policy. And I mean, if you take an example, Antifa, they're world renowned for their violence and looting at protests. And Sinn Féin, the pretend opposition in this country, support Antifa. Uh, Their members are mostly made up of Sinn Féin in Ireland. They were even selling badges of Antifa on their website. So the question is, where did Sinn Féin hand over the monies to Antifa when, when they were selling these badges to support Antifa, who were well known as an illegal organisation for trouble and, and creating looting and burning down buildings at protests? Why have the government or the Gardaí not approached Sinn Féin and had a full investigation about their criminal violent organisation? The reason is Sinn Féin supports the governments and the greedy elite plan for reckless open borders in Ireland. And it supports the hate speech bill. Just to make it clear to the listeners in the UK, the UK is currently taking in um, 1.2 million. Now, if you want to call them refugees, illegal immigrants, economic migrants, it doesn't matter. Call them what you will. It's still 1,200 human beings. Let's call them human beings, right? And whatever reason they're leaving their country, if it's for better life, whatever, it doesn't matter. 1.2 million are leaving countries and coming to the UK. Now, if you allow, say, half a million, and that's a good figure for emigration out of the UK, that still leaves an increase of roughly 600,000 people a year in the UK. Now, if you consider that the population of Manchester is just over half a million, then in order to maintain the current standard of amenities, houses, doctors, surgeries, hospitals, schools, the UK needs to build a city every year like Manchester just to maintain the standards that currently exist that most people give out about as present. You are on the same road Ireland is on. You're on the Titanic and everybody's pointing at the iceberg ahead saying we're in trouble. And you're being called racist and far right because you're pointing at the... the, uh, the iceberg and that's the difficulty and it's the difficulty in all countries across europe
Keep asking the questions, pal. You can follow Ben on Twitter. It's follow Ben Ben Gilroy on Twitter. There's only one Ben Gilroy on Twitter. You'll find him. Can I just wish you and your family and your friends a fantastic Christmas, a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year, Ben. And I look forward to speaking to you in the New Year. And thanks for asking the questions, mate. And the same to you and all your listeners, Richie. Uh, Happy New Year to all. And I feel that political change is coming both in Ireland and in England and for the better. While we still have humanitarian measures for all peoples of all the world. We always did. UK did. Ireland did. We can always keep that going. Fantastic, Ben. Thank you very much. Ben Gilroy. No better. Thanks, Richie. Great to have you on, pal. And and Sloan Tommel, absolutely. Ben Gilroy, live on the Richie Allen Show Wednesday's programme. As the time is exactly two minutes past the hour of five o'clock. Got it right, it's five. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. (laughs) A robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3 C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus for your peace of mind all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk Patricia's been in touch and I agree. Patricia says anybody who cannot see the genocide Israel is committing in Gaza is in denial. She's absolutely right. It's outrageous for former British Army officers to go on television to criticise MPs for calling it what it is. It's genocide. It's ethnic cleansing. It's horrible. It's horrible. It should be haunting every decent human being in the world. They've killed 10,000 children. And they would kill more, given the chance. And by they, I mean the leaders of that godforsaken, wretched shithole that is Israel. Okay, I don't mean the Israeli people. And I've said it too many times on this programme. It's got nothing to do with Jewish people in, in Britain, in the United States, in France or anywhere else. It's a despotic, psychotic Zionist regime. It has no conscience, no mercy. It is trying to destroy Gaza, make it uninhabitable and kill as many Palestinians and displace as many as it possibly can. That is the agenda. And it is disgusting to be, you know, calling out, you know, somehow, in some way insinuating that those who call it what it is are are anti-Semitic or are no friends of Israel. Who'd want to be a friend of Israel? Why would you want to call yourself a friend of a regime like that? It's uh, coming up for four minutes past the hour. Mark Boyersky is standing by. Thanks for your messages. Listen, let me acknowledge there's a problem with the website at the moment, richieallen.co.uk. Some listeners are posting comments and they're not appearing. I can see it happening in real time. Some people are posting and there's nothing. Where there should be text, there isn't anything. You've got to leave it with me. We're going to have a big overhaul of the website in the next few weeks in any case. It's going to change a bit. So I apologise for it. But in the meantime, you can download the app. And if you're in some country where you're told that you cannot download the app in this country, just use a virtual private network. Use the app. It's great. I pay for it every month. The programme pays for it, right? I pay for it. I, I, I pay for it, I tells you. So use the feckin' thing. 
and you can send me an instant message. I know the website's great because you can chat amongst yourselves. You can't do that on the app. I know this, but you're going to have to give me a bit of time. I'm a one-man band. I'll deal with the website over the break. And when we come back in January, the website will be hopefully much more functional and that will give me time to rebuild it because that's the plan for the website in 2024. Music from Twisted Sister, D. Schneider, and I Wanna Rock. Don't ask me what year. I'm going to say 86. I'm going to say I'm probably wrong. I often am. My guest until the top of the hour, until the close of the programme, is a great friend of ours. He's a remarkable man. You'll find him on YouTube. You'll find him online. He's on YouTube with a massive big channel there where he works daily. It's uh, Mark Boyerski on YouTube. He is an author. He is a healer. He set up the Pure Energy Healing Academy in Spain. Mijas originally. Uh, he's speaking to us live from the Costa del Sol, I think, Marbella this evening. Let's welcome back to the show, Mark Boyerski. It's great to have you back, pal. How are you? I'm all right. Sound check. Sound check is good. We didn't we, we didn't do a sound check. I, look, I'm not professional. Professional broadcasters, they do sound checks and stuff. You've got yourself a fancy new uh, console there or laptop or something, have you? Sounds good anyway. I like it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Richard. I was got. Fantastic. No, I'm what was what, what was the name of that comic who did that? What was he? Collier. Stan Co- I can't remember. Norman Collier. Well done. Something like Collier. That. That's was fantastic. That yeah. Tell me this. I, I I was thinking of you today. This time of the year. I I know that you. Um, I'm not going to tell you what you are, but I know that you're 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 certainly not a subscriber to an organised religion. I know you're not. Um, but this is a special time of the year, and you being, um. You're a funny guy. You're always funny. Um, you make me laugh. Um, and not a lot of people make me laugh, but you make me laugh. I can imagine when your daughter, China, and when your son, Nico, were younger, when they were much younger, I can imagine you and your ex-wife, Susie, uh, their their mum, going to crazy lengths to make Christmas fun for the kids. Did you do all that stuff, dressing up as Santa and all that mad stuff? I bet you you did. I did yeah. at one hundred percent because I believe it's it's Christmas is for children predominantly. So you're I think. A, and you're a big kid. I'm not saying you're a big kid now, but you you have that you have that aspect to your character. You're in touch with your um with your child ish. I can't find the terminology to describe what I want to say, but it's important that I think all of us that we still have some sort of link to when we were silly and laughed and ran around a bit when we were children. And I still I think you've still got that link. I think. I, I did do. I can't, it kind of um, disappeared a little bit. It comes back and forth. You know, I call it the tight tightrope effect, depending on what's been thrown at me, what's happening in my life. Uh, sometimes I fall and get back on and try again. But yeah, I, I must admit, I've been searching for the child within for quite a while now. But it seems to be uh, a kind of a worldwide psyop where. I think darkness and and the lies and the manipulations and the hypocrisy, everything like that kind of, it seems to be directed towards just taking the joy from within. And it seems very, very difficult these days, as most people realize through what's happening through one thing or another to find that joy. And I think that's like going to the gym and trying to exercise. We have to exercise our joy back, Richie. This is interesting. Let's stay with this as a thread. So... 
that innocence that children have. Now, children can be little Baxters. We, we know this at, at times, and some kids can be very can be horrible to other children. We know this too, but these are that, that would be the minority. Um, children, for the most part, are innocent, and they see uh, the world through... Um, the, the world is a big, fun place. You, you know, for kids, most of the time, they're having a laugh, or should be having a laugh. So you reckon a connection to that innocence is important, even as adults, and that somehow it's being fractured by the events of the last three years, the last 10 years, the last 20 years, because I'm really interested in this, this connection to innocence, to the innocent, wide-eyed, wondrous way of seeing the world that maybe we used to do when we were kids, and that's being fractured somehow? Yeah, for sure, 100%. Um, this innocence of the child within is really um, not the child within, but it's all that ever has been and ever shall be. It's the energy that we are, the soul, the spirit, and the consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And that consciousness is light. So when you see a child skipping down the street, it means that they've got nothing on their shoulders, which is weighing them down. If you see a child walking with their head down to the ground, then that that innocence, that 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 pureness, that that joy. Uh, has gone because of uh, whatever's happened to them that day. They got bullied or, you know, the father abused them or the teacher had a go at them. But that innocence within us, it's there if we're able to um, bring it back by letting go of all the pain and suffering that we see around. And it's difficult. It really is challenging for most people to to bring that joy back again. But there are certain things that you can do. I, I do every day. I try my best to always have dreams, always look for goals and aims in life. And by doing that, you're not stagnant like a pool. And when the pool doesn't move and when there's no flowing water when there's no you know uh, anything that brings out the energy of um i i don't know what what they call it but it, it's new life it's just stirring that energy up a little bit and this stagnant energy this this idea of you know what i don't need to do anything I, I, anymore i i'm happy with what i am where i am i don't need to do, i don't need to move forward that's when you become stagnant and things kind of go wrong so i kind of see that the spiritual aspect of life is never stopping the secret is never stopping keep going keep dreaming keep creating keep doing as much as you can to make a difference in this world always be kind always be caring always be creating always give and be loving and always look in the mirror look at yourself if it's ever a point that you feel shit I've just knee jerked and got angry look at why you're angry ask yourself why and then how you can heal from that so it's all about looking within you know it's all about being aware of everything that you do and always doing your best this is brilliant Mark a few years ago quite a few years ago I, I interviewed the TV presenter and author Danny Wallace and he just published a book called Yes Man, which is, um, you wouldn't call it autobiographical, but it's about a period in his life when he decided that he would stop avoiding friends and family. He would stop saying no to offers, to go for a cup of tea, or to go here or go there, or would you like to be part of this, Danny? He decided that he was going to start saying yes to everything, and it completely and utterly transformed his life for the better. 
that he was going to remove negativity, all the old habits, you know, nah, I won't answer that phone call, or I won't get back to that guy, or I won't go and play that five-a-side football, or I won't join the guys on Friday night at the disco, all this sort of stuff, and it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And by saying yes, and by re-engaging with people, he began to re-engage with life, and it was completely transformative for him. And I'm getting that listening to you there now. That's a good way to start, isn't it? Say it's yes. Fan- yeah, it's fantastic, Richard. And it changes um, the energy within you. And once you respark that uh, flame or that light inside, which is always there, and we always have to be aware that there's always a negative force to our positive force. There's always darkness to our light. But, you know, when in darkness, we see light most of all. So sometimes we have to feel bad to actually realize that we need to become good again or we need to find that light within. So I think it's part of the process of our life, all of us. And we slip and we get back up and we try again. And that's basically that's how I live my life from day to day. I don't beat myself up when I make mistakes. I don't beat myself up when I say things that I wish I hadn't have said. I just continue. I I learn to apologize as much as I can. Uh, I try and clear um, anger, fear, and especially ego and pride. These things hold us back. These things really cause a lot of pain and suffering in our lives. So, yeah, that's kind of like what I do from day to day. But I always say, I always think this, Richie, I don't know if your listeners ever think this, but... You know, you look outside and it's a shitty day. It's raining. It's it's really horrible. There's another guy next door looking outside excited because he knows he's <laughs> going to go fishing and rain brings out the fish. Right. And, and they, they bite, they bite, and he catches lots of fish. It's an awful day today because it's, I mean, it's, the wind is blowing like crazy. The next door neighbor to the other side thinks I'm going to get my kite out and I'm going to go kiting. It's the best day in the world. So it's all to do with how we see life. That's it. Absolutely. Now, um, this is ground we've covered before, but not recently. But I think it's important ground. What is it about people, about human beings, that find it so difficult to move on from failures and mistakes? I was speaking to a really good friend recently who's haunted by things that he said and did in the past um, a, a time when, when, when he let somebody down or a time when he did something that was wrong. And this is a good person now, a very good person. But um, not being able to let go of that and accept that when he did what he did and said what he said and hurt the, the, the person he hurt, that he was a different person. He, he can't seem to grasp that he's a good person now, that he cannot change the things that he did. Nothing can change them. They happened. What is it about the human condition that makes it so difficult for us to leave that bad shite where it was and say, I'm a better person today, I learned from it, I would never do that again, and um, so I'm just going to park it. I did it, it's part of my history, you know, nothing I can do about it. But for so many people, they really can't, and it becomes very destructive, doesn't it, for them? Yeah, it's one of the most destructive energies in in humanity. And um, I often say to some of my clients back in the days, you know, I used to I used to have a a dear friend of mine who had a a scar on his face. And um, uh, people talk about this like um, 
you you have something that may be a blemish or something that you're paranoid about and then somebody talks to you and then you look at them and think they're thinking oh my god they're looking at my scar or my blemish or my big nose or whatever it might be that you're paranoid about and you go away and you're constantly worried about the scar or whatever it is and to be fair the other person doesn't even think about it and it's it's kind of like well you know, they're on with their life. They're doing something else. They're not they're not living that moment of your scar. And I think a lot of us tend to over exaggerate what issues we have within us. Like I've made mistakes, loads of them. And one particular mistake that I made, which I felt was a mistake, but to other people, it, it, like when I spoke about it, they said, no, 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 actually, I think you were right in that particular circumstance. You were absolutely right to do what you did. But my consciousness kept saying, no, you, sh- you should have been the bigger, the stronger. You should have done something slightly different. And therefore, what happened was I, I lived in suffering for that for a long, long time until I learned to let it go. Because the other guy wasn't living in that pain. He wasn't thinking about me every day about what I didn't do or what I should have done. And he moved on. So who's the fool, really? And how long do you suffer for? It's the same with grief, actually, Richard. Grief is a a great example. You know, you lose somebody that you love and you spend your whole life grieving that person. And you never actually live your life anymore. And if you look at it on the the side of the spirit world or if you were uh, in the spirit world and and you passed away and somebody was grieving for you, how would you feel for for, for the person grieving for you? Would you want that? So, you know, for me, I, I just... I. I send prayers in the sense of good energy and love to that person. And whoever I've upset, I, I, I've I always said sorry to. And I've learned most valuable for, for the mistakes I've made that have made me stronger and a better person. So I'm actually thankful for that person that I did something to that's made me stronger and a better person. So I forgive in all way and I I. I pass it forward in the sense of giving, gift it forward, doing better in my life. So, you know, that person that I upset has now made me a different person and stronger and a better person. Or I could be a victim all my life. I I, I choose to, to not be the victim. I choose to embrace every single beautiful, difficult, challenging experience of this life and do my best to see what it is that I needed to learn from that, how I needed to grow and how I can become a better soul for the next person I meet. And it's really that simple. Mark Boyarski is our guest. His website is markboyarski.com. You'll find him on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's wonderful. It's incredibly valuable. Um, while it's still on YouTube, um, because the, the call of, of, um, of independent and alternative channels continues on YouTube, Here's a question now for the time of year that's in it. I thought I'd ask you. Um, and I mean no disrespect to anybody who is Christian. I certainly do not. I mean this question. Um, if Jesus was, and, I, and I'm perfectly open to the idea that Jesus um, did exist and and was, was present uh, 2,000 or so years ago, um, is it likely that Jesus was an exceptional energy healer? What do you think? I- yeah, I've always thought that. I, and uh, I, I actually sometimes think, well, it's really weird because my father wasn't really religious. But he, when I ever asked him about Jesus, my dad used to say he was a, 
he was a, a very clever magician. Uh, also, uh, he went to uh, Egypt to study um, magic from where he lived, which was a, a village what people didn't really understand. So going to Egypt and watching all of these, you know, imagine going to a, a London and lots of things from people and then going out into the countryside and showing uh, these these things that, that you've learned. So that's what my dad's take on it was. My take is that there's, there's, there's thousands of Jesuses in this world every single decade. Those that shine a light for others that don't want uh, fame or, or to be told what they did. There are millions of people who are Jesuses and, and in this world, and and not just Jesus, but women as well, the, the Mary Magdalene's and all, all of those that we, we just kind of brush aside because it's the feminine. But, you know, humanity, uh, all of humanity in general uh, are uh, shining lights in this world. And that's what keeps it going so as far as i'm concerned i believe we're all healers so it's not like i'm a powerful healer and you're not i think you know just my mum holding me when i had stomach ache and putting a hand on my stomach my stomach ache disappeared and and i think we've all got that ability to hold our loved ones our our fiancés our wives our partners whatever you want you call them in in those name, name terms but we hold them when they're feeling bad and we clear away the pain and sadness within them just by a simple hug or even if you're nowhere near them and you think about them and send good thoughts, they heal. And people just don't understand the power of thought and they don't understand the power of of, of just, just sitting there and sending love to somebody. It is so powerful. It can heal illnesses. It can heal what people believe is depression, it can heal so many things, and it does on a daily basis, Richard. Honestly, I swear on my hand well, on You're my living hand. proof of it. You're living proof that you can change the reality around you through your thoughts, through thinking, not just thinking positively, but constructively thinking about what you want to be and where you want to be. Um, you're living proof of it. We've, we've talked about this before. Uh, Mark Bierski is our guest, and I love this thread. I really do. There's huge interest, as always. Ian says on the app, thanks, Ian. I'm the furthest, the furthest even from a spiritualist type. I'm not even sentimental that much, says Ian. I'm practical to the point of being harsh. Yet Mark never fails to speak in a language I can empathise with, and he always makes me smile. That's lovely, that, you see. But he is spiritual. He doesn't realise it. He's in touch with his spirit, I would reckon, is Ian. But I should have left you answer that before I read the next one. Go on. No, 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. You're psychic. You read my I'm mind. A, I'm a psychic. But the lottery numbers are coming for Saturday. Hang on. I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get there in the end. One of these days. I know it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work for personal financial gain like that. Actually, um, actually, go actually. On, go on. A, friend, a friend of mine, Daz, of about eight years ago, started laughing. He doesn't believe in a any of the things that I do, which is great. I, I, I laugh at that. I, You know, things don't bother me like that because I know they do work. And he says, oh, go on, give us the lottery numbers. So I said, well, I don't really do stuff like that, mate. Honestly, he says, go on. So I just thought of six numbers and he, he, he got four numbers and he, he didn't Fantastic. stop. He didn't stop bothering me <laughs> thereafter. And I'm like, stop, just stop. Wonderful. Fantastic. Four. That's bloody good. That I played it about two weeks ago for the first time in 20 years because it was 200 million euro. And I said, I played for the crack. 
and um, um, won't make you happy, Richard. No, won't of course not. No, no, but but you know the, the sort of things we think of. I mean, I'm thinking. Of course, you don't think about winning it because the odds are seventy-eight million five hundred seventy-three thousand three hundred sixty-five to one. So no, but 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 just we were laughing about it because Carlin couldn't believe I did it. You know, I can't believe you're not into that. I said no, just just for the laugh. And I'm thinking about the things you could do for the show, you know, the things you could do for the independent media, the studios, you could build all of this sort of nonsense. I understand. Uh, Kay says, would Mark be doing anything for the solstice on Friday? Kay says, I have never celebrated it before, but I am considering going out in the garden, lighting the fire pit, lighting some lanterns and creating as much light as possible for the solstice. So what about you, my friend? Richie, I I, uh, sat with um, a shaman um, a long, long time and um, one of the things that he said to me was that uh, the cycle of um, the world, the cosmos, the stars, um, everything is um, not what it seems. And I, and I like, what do you mean? And he says, well, take, for instance, time, that the time that, that is now, the date, is incorrect because the cycle of, of everything has been messed up. So when people think that they're actually, uh, you know, doing a cycle at times, it's it's kind of not really not really accurate. And I'm like, oh, okay. And and I said, so what do you think I should do? And he says, here's my my thought: do it when you feel you feel you want to do it. And that's what I took from him. And I don't follow patterns. I don't follow groups. I don't follow um, ideology. I don't follow religion. I don't follow spirituality. I follow my gut instinct. Lovely from Patricia, this on regret, she says, for what it's worth, this is how I would deal with stupid things I've said or done. If I went back to that moment, knowing what I did at the time, I would do the exact same thing. The best I can do is not say or do the same thing in the future. Mark is an inspiration to anyone who wants to be a better person. She makes a very good point there. You can't change the past. You can change the present. You can change the present around you. And by doing that, you can change your future for the better. But what's in the past is in the past. And learning to live with it, while it's very difficult for people, and I know it is, I've had issues myself over the years, I had a difficult time of it as a kid, took me a long time to leave that in the past, but eventually Mm. you do, because there's nothing you can do about it, it wasn't your fault, Um, and life is pretty okay now, so why ruin it by, you know, making yourself sad and depressed and you know, and sick even, by worrying about things that you just cannot control anymore because there in the past. Yeah, very good, Patricia. Lots of these coming in. Do send a message via the app, please. There is an issue, by the way, with the website. Now, Joe Liz says, Mark is right. You don't go to church. You are the church. Everything is within, says Joe Liz. See, this is the most frustrating thing for me because I've come to understand that every single one of us has the has the innate ability, born with it, to reorder the world around us for the good. We have the innate ability to heal ourselves and to, to change ourselves anytime we want to do that. But I've come to understand, not just through our conversations or my conversations with Peter uh, or anybody else I've met over the years, I've come to understand that this is a major thing for, if you want to call them globalists, if you want to call them tyrants, those who are shaping the Great Reset, 
This is the thing they want to disconnect more than anything else. This is the truth they want to conceal, isn't it? Because this is, it's the end of them. If people realise this, and if they realise it in huge numbers all together, well, it's over, isn't it, Mark, if people realise that? It's over today. I, I guess that's what so many of us uh, each day move forward and try and shine a light of truth uh, when lies have become uh, truth and truth has become lies. The the world that we know is, you know, almost like insanity. But, you know, I, I've come to understand as I'm getting older that, yeah, it's it's always been kind of insane. And I can go even deeper into the insanity if I look more closely every day. Or I can say, all right, the world is insane. What What do I do? Look at it. Do I keep looking at it? Does it make any difference if I keep looking at it? I've seen a lot of people around me that have gone down that rabbit hole and spent weeks, months, and then they've created, you know, bunkers. They've created hordes of of food uh, and water, and they've created themselves to be a little bit um, uh, kind of like standoffish from everybody. And then they kind of like become like, I don't trust or believe anything anymore. So, I kind of see that this is, uh, without a doubt, yes, there's bad things happening every day. Uh, there's wars that shouldn't be, and and uh, uh, my heart bleeds all the time for that. But it comes to a point, is, is that what I'm here to do? Do I have to bleed for it? Do I have to go down every rabbit hole to, to, to be a good person and to be the light? And I've come to understand, I've come right back again, full circle, and, and say to people, you know what, I think it's time that we just start to shine a light and be kind and caring and do our best and sweep your doorstep. And if you have time, sweep next door's doorstep and just do kind things. And that's the way that we help. Yes, certainly share the truth. That's what I do. But share it with love. Share it with kindness. Share it with honesty. Share it with without exaggeration. Share it without anger. Share it without fear. And, you know, to me, that's the balance. So, again, nothing's easy. The tightrope effect that I call, I'm writing a book called The Tightrope Effect, it's not easy. But you've got to focus on your balance. If you focus on the outside world all the time, then you're distracted. So it's so vital that we start to go within and start to ask ours. And funnily enough, I was talking to a girl today and she and she's she left her work uh, she used to work at a, a really famous, a very popular um, organic cafe, and she went to work for a very famous uh, sculptor, and she was working in the sculpting shop, uh, basically selling sculptures and oil paintings. It's an art gallery. And I said, are you okay? She said, mm, kind of. And I said, oh, what's wrong? I said, don't you like the job? She said, oh, the job's, you know, it's great. She says, nobody hardly ever comes in, though, so I don't get to speak to anybody. She said, I can leave whenever I want. The bosses are happy with me to just go whenever I want. But she said, when I'm there on my own, I start to feel this something in my stomach because I start to think about me and myself. And, 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 and I could see she was struggling because of her own time. And I see this in so many people. So many people are distracted just for the, the sake of distracting because they don't want to look inside themselves. And I tell you what, 
Richer, it's the hardest place to be. But once you overcome that and you become your best friend and accept your life and who you are and how amazing you are, then life changes and nothing can hurt you and the darkness can never stop you. Lovely. This is from Paddy. Paddy O'Hare. Hi, Paddy. Musician, working musician. It's a tonic to hear, Mark. He says, I've finally been able to tune in live today. Burnt out from heading... Uh, from gigging and heading into the final furlong of gigs before Christmas. Can't wait to finally down tools, he says. Uh, Merry Christmas to you both. Thanks, Paddy. Sarah's listening with uh, some flu. I need some energy healing, she says. I've been in bed for five days now with the flu. I'm fed up, says Sarah. Yeah, the flu is awful, isn't it? But you'll get over it quick enough. Sarah, you'll be back on your feet. Thank you so much for this. Mark Boyerski is our guest. Uh, you're listening to The Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's edition. It's coming up for 25 minutes to the top of uh, the hour. Um, so the book is fascinating then. So the tightrope effect, correct me if I'm wrong, um, mm. without giving too much away, the theme of it, give us the theme. What, what, give, give us a kind of an inkling as to what you're, Every, what you're taking I, on. Everything that we do is a tightrope effect, everything. Because when we get up in the morning and we, we walk out and we're bombarded by uh, thoughts and feelings, we're bombarded by negative energy, we're bombarded by uh, poisons from the sky and in the foods, all of these things are a distraction. And the tightrope effect to me is to get to the other side without falling. And how do we do it? So, you know, do we do we listen to the people on the left who are watching us as we walk the tightrope? They're a bunch of people who are just shouting at us saying, who do you think you are? And then the other side is like, oh, he's so lovely. Everybody, make him a hero. So you've got ego on one side and then you've got pain and suffering on the other. So for me, it's finding the balance that you're not affected by both because some people are affected by the ego, the Donald Trumps and the, the so on. And then the other other side is people are affected by the suffering and I, I'm you know I've learned so much that all the pain that's been thrown at me and the anger and the aggression and the pointing fingers and the and you are a hypocrite and you just sell expensive crystals and all or you're, you're part of the devil's worshipping because you sell crystals and so on so you've got all of these things happening to you you as a human being as a, as a spirit have all of these things every day so you have to you have to learn how to balance as people are nasty, you have to learn to balance as people are, are so kind and throwing out lovely messages saying you're amazing. And then you also have to balance with the the, the poisons that, that are in our foods and our water. We have to learn what to eat, what not to eat. So this is the tightrope effect. How to navigate through life on a tightrope effect without being pulled to one side or the other and to stay focused and just allow everything around you not to be a distraction like a fly on your nose. Don't let it distract you. Just keep going, keep walking, and you'll be fine. And once you learn that, you learn that nothing affects you anymore. You've learned the balance of life because that's what this is all about. The tightrope effect is the balance of life. And we all have to learn and keep learning and keep going. And it isn't a destination. It's a journey. It's a cliche, but it's true. 
all my life is a journey. I don't do um, uh, diets because diets means that I can stop and then start eating crap again. No, no, no. Change of lifestyle completely. Slowly, steady, nicely. Don't rush because you think if you rush, you can get uh, across that tightrope quicker and then you're at the other side. No, no, no. Just take your time. If you want to change your diet, you want to change your lifestyle, if you want more more love in your life, if you want more spirituality in your life, you have to just go steady, steady, steady. And that's kind of like the tightrope effect. Brilliant. I can't wait to read that. And uh, I mean, it's, it's in the future. We'll speak to you before then. But we'll get you on to talk about it when, when the time comes. <clears throat> Listening to this years ago, now our mutual friend, uh, Jean-Anne Crowley, I think told me, that Paul Golden, he might have passed away, I, I don't know, I hope I'm wrong, but maybe he did, um, maybe he didn't. Paul mm-hmm. Golden was a stage hypnotist, but he was more than just a stage hypnotist, he was a spiritualist. I think he was a bloke who was very in tune with um, <clears throat> with spirit and with energy. So he would come to Waterford, like many other cities in Ireland and the UK, and he would perform his stage hypnosis show, people would you know, run around thinking they were leprechauns and what have you, it was all great fun. But I, one of the final times I met him, I was working for a radio station at the time and, and I talked to him about this and what came up was was um, obsessive compulsive disorder and what came up was um, mental distractions, mental distractions, you see. And he asked me a series of questions, uh, Mark, and I was very embarrassed and you've reminded me. He asked me a series of very quick questions. He asked me, did I count my steps when I was out walking? And I said... He said, don't lie. Tell me the truth. So I said, I do. He said, you do? I said, yeah, when I'm walking, I often count my steps. He said, how often do you go back to a door that you've locked to check that you've locked it, even though you know you've locked it? And you can see where this is going. He asked a series of questions and I gave all the right answers, but they were the wrong answers. And he said, you're just like most people, he said, that I meet. He said, you are being inhibited by a constant din of useless noise going around inside your head, um, a nervous energy. And he said, if you can get rid of that, if you can stop doing that, counting the steps and all of these things, he said, you know, you'll be a lot more restful, you'll be a lot more peaceful, and you'll find, he said, that life is a lot easier. That makes a lot of sense to you, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, but that's one of the most hardest things to accomplish in life. Very hard. Finding peace. So difficult, Richard. So challenging because there's so many things that are uh, fired at us daily, constantly, whether it's our finding, uh, you know, getting a job, putting food on the table, paying the tax, uh, you know, just every mundane thing that has been thrown at us from day to day. So again, these are all like like the tightrope effect. It's it's all about people throwing things at you all the time, you know, rotten eggs and tomatoes and, and all of these thoughts and feelings are in the mind. So even when you're sat in silence and peace, they will come back and haunt you. They'll come back to your mind all the time. So yeah, I mean, it is vital that we all learn peace and uh, it frightens the the hell out of people because the brain has been absolutely geared up to make you not stop. And I've said this before on your show, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like mundane saying No, it's again, not mundane. It's, this is hugely important, pal. This it, is really it, important. 
Well, ba yeah. basically what it is, it's really quite simple. At the end of the day, the brain is there as a tool and we don't use it correctly. We think we do, but we don't. We overuse it all the time. And therefore, when you use your brain, it loves it. It absolutely loves it because that's what it does. So keep asking me questions. Let me keep giving you thoughts. Don't ever stop. Whatever you do, don't stop. Keep thinking, keep thinking, because that's what the brain does. When you realize it's a tool, it's part of the spacesuit, it's your tool. It's a body tool that you use. You use it at the right time. So you've heard me say it before, the, the only time you should use the brain is when you cross the road and look left and right. That's it. Other than that, don't use it. And that's a metaphor. It basically means that use your brain when it, it's really needed. So when you are trying to attune to your future, your 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 and 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 the destiny of your life, and where are you going to go, and what are you going to do, and what's the purpose of my life? The brain is not meant to be used for that. So we make a mistake. Should I go with this woman? Uh, because oh, I, my heart's beating. You, again, you're using your brain all the time. So we have to learn to use the consciousness that we are, because ninety. 5% of humanity are living in a brain, a brain world instead of living in there, which is called the heart. The heart is the center of your consciousness. When you die, that spirit leaves and it's alive and that's really you. Everything else is just a byproduct. The brain is just, it's going to die one day. It's just going to end up like in, in either burn or in the soil so that's all that is and 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 we've been programmed by the system to believe that our brain is everything and when they can make you believe that your brain is your life then they've got you yeah because you don't you don't feel with your brain uh, jean anna said um you, she says you'll be a lot more in the zone once you've squished the mind maggot she used to say that to uh, herself and to people with troubles, hugely important. One has to, at one stage or another, a person must learn to live compatibly with oneself. Yeah, I remember being stunned by this concept. You know, Golden said to me, Golden said to me, do you find yourself often sitting there and moving your leg rhythmically? You know, do you find yourself tapping your foot like for no reason? I'm like, yeah, I just tell the truth, you know, yeah, yeah, that's well, me. And I would that, ask, sorry, sorry, that, Mark, come in, come in. That tapping of the foot, is normally because of unbalance. That That is 100% an unbalance in the body. So your body is screaming out and that is, a, um, normally what happens, it's a waste of energy. So you're either, uh, you're either far ahead of yourself or you're worried or you're fearful. There's lots of reasons why you tap. Um, some people tap because they're, they're I, I call these people the um, uh, uh, millennials. You, you will see millennials sat down on the computer and their foot will be going like crazy. They'll be tapping like crazy because it's almost a desperation to be something or somewhere or to achieve something instead of, hey, it's okay, yeah. relax. Yeah. There's, 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 there's no rush. There's no problem. And that, that, that is a big issue because that speeds the, the body clock up, which then causes a lot of uh, stress and health issues with the chest and so on. So it, 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 uh, and the mind. 
yeah, it, it can be very severe. So you've got to look at your body space suit and see if it's functioning properly. So uh, we, we do, most of us don't actually stop and look at ourselves in the sense of just check yourself out, how you're feeling, not only by touching your body, but just checking in on yourself. Most people don't. Most people don't stop through the day. So I sometimes stop people and say, uh, did you did you get out of bed and go for a walk today and actually look around when you went and took the dogs for a walk? Did you did you actually right. stop for a moment and look around you? And most ninety five percent will say no, I didn't because they were way ahead of themselves. They were they were at the other end there. They wanted to get there quick or they needed to do something else so they never are present to anything and that's why they miss all the joy and the magic that is being given to us daily never in the moment yeah even last year i caught myself so i decided i'd make some time for myself of um saturday and sunday afternoons i would put a, a nice folk record on the record player and i would open a book and i would get immersed in the book but then i would find myself reaching for the phone now, not because I'm a narcissist on social media. I'm not. I don't spend any time on social media. Um, but because I'd be thinking about, well, there might have been an email from somebody. Um, there might have been a response from a potential guest. All of this sort of stuff. And this was driving me mad. Or I would pick up the remote control and switch over to BBC News 24 or Sky News um, to see was there something happening that I needed to see. This was crazy. And it was driving me mad. And I've learned how to deal with that and to just stop. But um, I, I'm guessing that, you know, that that might mean something to you or that might ring a bell for a lot of our listeners. It's, well, what you're talking about here, I think, is, is so hugely important. And I want to ask you a question before we run out of time. Look how quick the time is going. Uh, just a cu couple of quick comments first. Paul is in North East Scotland. He's building a wardrobe and listening to this and loves what Mark has to say. Now, I, I'm not sure whether building a wardrobe means that he's a talented carpenter or whether he's got a flat pack from Ikea. I have no idea. <laughs> the latter. The latter. Maybe it's the latter. Well, if it was me, I wouldn't even be able to put together the flat pack from Ikea. I'd be asking the missus uh, to do it because I'm as useful as teats on a bull. I wanted to ask you this. Um, I don't think I'll be talking out of turn, even though I'm not going to mention names. Um, a really good pal of mine um, is in a very, very bad place and some time ago attempted to take his own life. So I don't want to make, I don't want to end the programme negatively. I want to end it positively. And um, he genuinely did. It wasn't a cry for help. Not that I'm knocking anybody who, um, you know, does a cry for help. I'm not knocking that at all. But but he really did, like, and he was lucky to survive it. But he's he's doing his best now, right? He's um he's um going to see a couple of people. He's gotten involved in an initiative for, for men who've got issues. No medicine at all, of course. This is his talk and um he he's he's uh he's getting up kinda of getting back on his feet. And I know that this is something you've come across over the years that you've worked in, in healing with people when they are feeling so terrible, when they're feeling so wretched that they don't think there's any way out of it, that, you know, the, the, the only way out of this now is feet first and to, to, to end it all. So it might sound very negative, but it isn't. And my mate's going to be okay. There's no doubt about that. To people, particularly at this time of year, I don't know of any more positive person than you. People at this time of year, because it's, 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 it's a wretched time for people where bereavement, you know, last year, the year before, um, five years ago, it doesn't matter. Um, money worries, 
um, embarrassment, all sorts of things happen at this time of year. Um, if, if you're going through it, if you have to give a couple of little tips for people who are going through it, with, with all of your experience, what would you say to them? Well, there's so many uh, reasons why people feel the way that they don't want to live here anymore. Some people look at the world and say, I don't want to exist in this world because it's horrible. There's some people who uh, have lost a loved one and don't want to live their life without them. There's some people who just feel as if they can't move forward in any way. They're stuck and they, they can't afford to pay for their children and so on. And, uh, you know, it's better if I'm not here, they'll have a better life. So there's so many reasons why people don't want to live anymore. Uh, the one thing that is precious in life and the one thing that is, uh, as far as I, I'm concerned, is divine, is this moment, that this very, very short moment that you live in this world. And I always say this, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, uh, what we look at is what we've done in life. So we'll see, did, did I do my best is really ultimately that what it is. So if somebody sat in front of me uh, and and they say, look, I, I just, there's, there's just no point anymore. And I'd, I'd say, well, like depending on what it is, um, they might have, you know, two girls. Um, uh, they, he, they don't see them anymore because they've split up from his wife, and and I, I don't get to see my 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 daughters anymore, and so on. And it's like, right, I, I you can't fix that. There's no fixing that. There's no fixing these things because that's happened. So where do you go from here? What what I say to my clients, or what I used to say to them, is that. If you if you left today, do you think that um, anything would make a difference thereafter? You know, if you left, do you think it would be a positive change in people's lives? Do you think that everything will will continue? You know, do you think that life will continue without your daughters? Do you think life will continue with with, with your ex wife and she'd move on and and do you think things would just continue? And he said, yeah, it would. So then I'd say, well, what difference would it make if if you if you went because life would continue? So. Why would you want to go if life would continue anyway? You're not making an impact either way. So that that was one thing, one way I'd say. And there's there's so many other ways. It's like, you know, would you ever consider just going somewhere that you've never been to before? This happened to one of my clients. He left and went to Bali for, I said, just go for a year to Bali. Because, you know, if you're going to take your life, then just go to Bali and nobody will, n nobody will uh, think about you because you're over there. And rather than take your life, just go to Bali, go somewhere else. Just do something else and go somewhere else. And then they, they, they do that or they say, oh, I don't really want to do that because, you know, um, uh, so, so you don't really want to go. So at the end of the day, I don't think anybody wants to take their life at all. It's a cry for help, Richard. That's the bottom line. And to wake people up and say, you know what? I nearly took my life, right? Because my life had, my life was nearly ended. Like my son, I couldn't pick my son up anymore, and because I'd split up from my wife, and I and I couldn't feed him in the middle of the night anymore, and I didn't have that love of my wife, and I've got my head down, and I'm just about to swallow tons of uh, tablets because there's no point living. And Jesus Christ, look at my life now because I listened to my to to the voice inside saying. 
what are you doing? Life is far more important. You've got so much to live for. There's so many wonderful things coming to life. You might not see them. You might not know them now. You might feel bad now, but get ready. And I, like, I looked at myself and, and looked at the tablets in my hand and in my mouth and I was crying and the, the spit was coming down, the tears were coming down. And then I realized, what are you doing? What, what, why are you taking your life because of a situation? Is the situation more important than your life? Get up, Mark. So I got, my, I got up off my knees and I changed my life. And from that moment on, I, I was thankful for the, the splitting up of my first wife. I, I thank her for it because look at my life now. I can't believe how my life is so beautiful. And I share that with everybody who feels bad. Listen, we all feel like we don't want to be here sometimes. We all feel unloved sometimes, but I'm telling you, you are loved and you are protected. And the people in, in which I call the spirit world are watching over you and they want you to be happy. They don't want you to be sad. And there's nothing in this world that should make you feel that you should leave because it's such a short, brief it's only moment. It's the journey, isn't it? That's brilliant, mate. Yeah, it's always darkest before the dawn too. And anybody who is feeling like that at this time of the year um, let somebody know because guaranteed you've got people around you who do love you and who do want to, to listen to you and, and they will be there for you brilliant we're bang up on time before we do go Mark's YouTube channel subscribe with Mark Bayerski and Mark is on line to markbayerski.com we look forward to the new year and the new book we've got 15 seconds left you can have them but before you have the 15 seconds um, thanks for your support of this program and the independent media throughout 2023 and beyond it's greatly appreciated pal have a lovely holiday Merry Christmas to you and yours and um, I look forward to next time thank you so much Richard I just want to dedicate tonight's um, uh, chat to all you guys listening, all you girls, all you everybody, beautiful souls out there, uh, all the doggies listening in, all the cats and everybody who's listening uh, and who's been listening for the past year for the support that you've given to this show. We're a family and we're believers of love and kindness and truth. We are the light in this world. Keep shining, keep being amazing and keep making this world a better place which you do i love you all and love you richie thanks mark right back at you you can close out the program now you've never done that before do you want to close out the program do you want to end it wrap it up for us there and we'll go and merry christmas go ahead um, no, no, you do it. That's your, I, I can't do that. It's your job. I love you no, just, wrapping up. That's it for today then. Hey, Mark, speak soon. Thanks again. MarkBoyerski.com. Great to have Mark on the programme. Until tomorrow, it's bye from me. Thanks again, Mark. Bye now. Speak tomorrow. You can dance if you like.